0: All right, well, today we are, as I said, continuing our uh, series called Love Where You Live, and today's message is called Who's Who in My City. I wanna share with you um, something that happened in my life. Uh, When I married Gloria, we didn't just have a wedding here, but we actually went to Korea, and we had a wedding in Korea. I wanted to to show you a little bit of what that was like. Uh, And in case you're wondering, yes, I am wearing makeup. Thanks for noticing. (laughs) Ralph Macchio? Yeah, no, not Ralph Macchio. <laughs> Ralph Macchio looks a lot longer than, younger than that. Um, so, uh, yeah, this was, this was our wedding. And, um, yeah, you can see us there walking down the aisle. And you can see all the tables off to the side there. Those people were, were there mainly to eat and, uh, and reunite. They were doing that while we were, like, saying our vows and everything. Um, and then you can see us there in our traditional Korean costumes. Um, I got to wear that cool hat. Uh, and that's Gloria's sister and nephew. Uh, now, uh, after this whole big production that we did, I, got, I had to meet some people. And I'm not just talking like a few aunts and uncles and cousins. Uh, since Gloria's dad is a prominent business leader in Incheon, Korea, South Korea, uh, we met all of his important friends. I spent almost an hour meeting the head of this council and the, chief, the president of that corporation and the fire chief and the chief prosecutor and the police. Now, in getting married, what would cause me to want to go through all of this Craziness, just to be able to call this woman my wife. Why would I do this? And the simple answer is, is that I love her. When I married her, her important people became my <laughs> important people. And really, it's all for the sake of, in the name of, love. See, when we love, we can't just sit idly by waiting for love to happen or waiting to feel love. We have to be active because love is an action. It's not just a feeling. So in a sense, I'm not asking each of you to go to Korea and have a crazy wedding, but in a sense, through this series, this is what we are being challenged to do over the next few weeks, to love where we live. And it's not just a superficial, sentimental kind of love, but a real proactive, I want to know what and who is important to you kind of love. So today, we're going to take some time to do just that. We're going to discover together the importance of knowing who's who in our city. And by doing that, we will, a little bit more, learn to love where we live. So in case you didn't know, this is exactly what the Bible says that Jesus Christ did. John 1 tells us that Jesus Christ is the living word of God. He was the one who was with God, the one who was God even in the beginning. Through him, all things were created, and without him, nothing was made that was made Um, I don't quite know how to put this, but Jesus is kind of a big deal, in case you didn't know. And then it says this, that Jesus, this big deal, he did something amazing. John 1.14 says that the word became flesh and dwelled among us. That word dwelled or "dwelt" literally means he tabernacled among us. He set up his tent among us. I love the way that uh, the message... Version of the Bible says it says that the word became flesh or human and he made his he, he moved into the neighborhood That he became flesh he became like us and he moved Into the neighborhood because that's actually what it means that the word God Jesus became flesh and dwelled among us means that he made his home among us He moved into the neighborhood and I would think Compared to eternity in heaven Moving into this neighborhood called earth this is a little bit of a downgrade And Jesus didn't move into the neighborhood. He didn't just pick a place so he could be close to work or be in a good school district. Jesus loved where he lived. And more specifically, he loved those who lived where he lived. He gave himself for those who lived where he lived. And so just as Jesus moved into the neighborhood and loved the people where he lived and where he went, so Jesus calls us to do the same. There's nothing necessarily wrong. Let me just clear this up. There's nothing necessarily wrong with moving somewhere to be closer to work. Or to move into a good school district. But disciples of Jesus Christ are called, wherever it is that you love, to love where you live. And there are places in the Bible where we actually see stories of how Jesus' disciples did just that. I want to share one remarkable story with you found in the book of Acts, a story about Paul and Silas. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Acts. (coughs) And it's chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. So Paul and Silas, they're traveling around as missionaries to different countries. They end up in Philippi, which is in Macedonia. And at that time, Macedonia, Philippi, was uh, occupied by the Roman Empire. So it's not the best situation, but this is where they ended up. And they get invited to stay at the house of a woman named Lydia, who loves God. So for temporary times, this is where they're staying. And something happens while they are in town. They're going to the temple to worship while they're in Philippi. And this is what it says in Acts 16, chapter 16. Once... When we, uh, this is, I guess this is uh, Paul or somebody writing. When we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit in which she predicted the future. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us around shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. And finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Now when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities, and they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews, they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Wow, for healing this girl. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received his orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their, seat, fastened their feet, their feet in the stocks. Now, sometimes loving where you live looks simply like loving where you are staying for a few days, as in the case of Paul and Silas. And in the case of Paul and Silas, that didn't go over so well. Now, this wasn't even really their home. So they could have just walked through the streets... And they could have said, you know, I see that you're using child labor to make money for yourself. And everyone knows, and no one does anything about it, but that's none of my business, right? They didn't have to care. They didn't have to do anything about it. I don't live here. Not my problem. You guys deal with this weird child labor, demon-possessed girl that's telling me the future. We don't have to deal with it. It's not our home, right? They could have just rebuked the slave owners. Why did they have to heal? Because when you love... Healing is one of the things that loving does. It's one of the things that love does, It's heal. And for all their trouble of healing, they get thrown into prison. Thanks a lot. We healed this girl, and now just because we took away your income and you're mad at us, and now we get thrown into prison. Not only did they get thrown into prison, it says they got severely flogged. Um, I don't know if you know what that means. They used to use these, these sticks, kind of whip things, and they'd, they'd whip their backs, and they'd get all bloody, and it was not a pretty thing, right? It, was, it wasn't just like they spanked them on, once on the, on the butt or something like that, you know, like we do with kids sometimes. Uh, this was like a real bloody thing. It was, it was not good. And then it continues in verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and all at once the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. All these prisoners, they said, like, ah, we're free. And the jailer woke up, and when he saw that all the prison doors were open, he drew his sword, and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoner had escaped. In other words, his, his authorities were probably going to kill him. they said, you let those prisoners escape. So they're probably going to kill him anyway. He said, I'm good as dead. So he's going to kill himself. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he then brought them out and asked sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they told him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. And they went, and his whole household knows Jesus that night. Now, here again, we see Paul and Silas are not at what you would call a great home. But it's where they were. And once again, they could have sat there complaining. They could have said, this is not my home. I don't care. I want to get out of here. I hate this place. But instead, they chose to love. They were in this nasty, dark, cold prison. And they were singing and praying and praising while they were locked up. And even when they had the chance to escape, they showed compassion on the jailer that was there with them. And they said, don't kill yourself. We're all here. In fact, how about if we introduce you to Jesus? Now, I know this story is an extreme example, but I share this outrageous story with you. I don't imagine that any of you are going to get arrested in Monterey Park and thrown in prison and then the the doors are going to open because of an earthquake and the jailer is going to kill. You know, that's crazy. It's outrageous, right? Probably not going to happen. But I share this outrageous story with you to say this. If the Holy Spirit can enable Paul and Silas to love where they were, even when they were just visiting, and even when they got flogged and thrown into prison, don't you think that the Holy Spirit can enable us to love where we actually live? (laughs) I think so. I think so. Because it's not just the physical location that we're called to love. It's the people. So when you live somewhere... Now, some of us actually believe that, that there's a purpose for why you live where you live. And it's not just chance. You just happen to find a house there. or That's where you've lived for all these years. But that we're actually where we live for a purpose, for a divine purpose. But when you live somewhere, your heart will begin to open to those who live around you. And as you can see from the example of Paul and Silas, sometimes it means loving the everyday citizens. And sometimes it means even taking the opportunities to love those who are in positions of leadership and authority. Now, both are important, but today our focus is going to be on how do we love those who are of high position in our cities. Now, I have a few special guests that I'm going to invite to share with us today. Um, Our first guest is one of our community group leaders, and her community group um, did something really special last Sunday, and I, I wanted to invite her up just to share a little bit about what their group did and why. So would you please help me welcome Janelle Yao? I'm going to get you set up with this mic here, okay? Um, I want to I want to show a picture of your group. There it is. In case you didn't see it on Facebook, there it is. So, Janelle, how you doing?
1: Good. How are you?
0: Thanks for Thanks for coming and sharing with us today. You're welcome. I uh, I, I love that your group was uh, just bold enough to get out there and do this. So I wanted <laughs> to be able to to have a whole congregation hear about what what it is you did. So. Um, how many of you are in uh, Janelle's group, by the way? Can you, can you, like, raise a hand? Give a little shout-out? Woo <laughs> South group! Okay, so, Janelle... Yeah. Don't, don't be shy. I mean, you don't be proud. Um, Janelle is leading the South group along with, uh, with Mo- Monique Vang. She's not here this morning. But that's the South group. Is like, Montebello and kind of everything down that direction. Um, so, because um, that's where you live. You live in Montebello. Now, tell us, tell us a little bit about what your group did last week so that we know.
1: Um, so, last Sunday... It was super rainy. Um, I had talked to the community relations officer, and um, I was like, is it too late if we, could, if we come on maybe Sunday? Um, we wanted to do something for the officers, and she actually gave us different options, and I was like, oh, it would be really awesome if we could me- actually meet the officers. So she was like, well, either their duty, um, their shift starts at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m., and I was like, oh, probably 6 p.m. would be better for most people. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Um, What we did was we all gathered at uh, my house and we just made care packages for the officers. We had like snacks and drinks. Um, We just packed it all up in individual bags um, to give to the officers. And so um, we went down to the Montebello Police Department. Um, I I had talked to the... I think the community relations officer only told the lieutenant that we were coming. So when we actually opened the door to their briefing room, they were really surprised to see us. Um, Like, pleasantly surprised. Um, It was a
0: good thing, right? Yes, hopefully.
1: Um, So we were just able to um, meet them in person. um, And... And, you know, as most of you know, like, Sam's a police officer, so he was telling me, like, oh, well, we should do this, or we shouldn't do this, you know, they're not going to have much time, because when they're briefing, you know, they don't have much time, and then they need to go out, and we can't take too much of their time, and I was like, okay, okay, like, let's just meet the officers and and (laughs) hand it out, and, like, let's see what happens. Um, And I would asked him, like, you know, like, I'd been thinking a lot about, like, oh, well, how can we really like bless these officers? Like I don't want to just give them a care package, you know, like um and I was like asking Sam, I was like, is it okay if like we pray for them? He's like, no, I wouldn't do it. Like they they don't have time. Like they just need to get out. Like and I was like, oh, okay. But I just really wanted to. And so before like we after meeting them, I was like, Can we can I just say a quick prayer? And you know, like I feel like when when I was praying, like my heart just, like, broke. Like, I just, I could feel, like, God's heart for these officers. And as Sam being an officer myself, like, my heart just broke. Um, I didn't expect to get so emotional. But um, I don't know. I think God just reminded me, like, sometimes I think we have the intention of, like, blessing the people around us. But, But God wants to bless us so much more, and he wants to change me. While I do this. And it's not just about doing. But he wants to transform us in the process. And so I was just so humbled. And I feel like. You know I just. I believe my prayer. About like them protecting and sacrificing. Their life every day. And, and that's what my husband does. And, and so I think for me to just see. That in a different light. Um, helps me appreciate Sam more as well. That's
0: great. So backtrack a little bit, whose, whose idea was this originally?
1: So it was my idea. Like, to be honest, I was kind of scrambling, like, oh my gosh, like I I, I was like calling all these people and no one was responding. (laughs) And I was like, well, maybe, maybe the police, the the police department can be more flexible if we just drop off something. And so um, it, 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 we were able to do that. It worked out. Yeah.
0: What was, uh, can you tell us some of the feedback that you got from your group? Yeah,
1: um, we talked about it right after, and we were like, oh, that was a little awkward. Like, it was a little awkward. Like, I was like, honestly, like, I was really awkward. Like, they were like, oh, we can't tell. It's like, no, I was like choking up. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was saying, and I didn't know what was going to happen. But I feel like, like Johnny said, like, the spirit just empowers you if you just take that risk. And if you just say, hey, like, I just want to do this, I just want to bless you somehow, and I might sound really weird, but hopefully God's going to use that, like, yeah. somehow to bless you, um,
0: that's great, yeah. did you get any, did you get any feedback from the officers themselves before they left, or um,
1: well, they, they were just, like, do? really appreciative, and I, I think, like, I was praying a lot about it before we went, and I was like, I don't know what impact we can make in, I don't know, the 10 seconds, or however long we're going to yeah. be there, um, but Sam was looking on Facebook, and Montebello PD has a Facebook page. And so they posted a picture, and they actually took pictures of us praying. I didn't even know that, because my <laughs> eyes were closed. But they they took a bunch of pictures of us, and they included this picture on their website saying, like, we want to thank the great people of Trinity Church, and, in, in um, like, basically thanking our church for all the goodies and for praying with them. They, they were like, we really appreciate it. And so, like, that just, like... That was, i don't know, like—not that I even needed that, but it was like a total affirmation. Like, God is working, and like, whatever we do, like, let God handle that, and and hopefully it is just going to bless people.
0: So you mentioned that you are a law enforcement family, um, that that your husband Sam is is a uh, you know is, is an officer, and um, can you can you share a little bit more about why th- this action of love for the Montebello PD was so meaningful for you and your family? Like, what? What, what did that speak to you? Like, can you explain maybe a little bit more about why your heart was, you say, you felt so much for them? Or? Um,
1: well, first of all, I feel like um, this past year has been so difficult for officers. We can all agree there's been so many officer-involved shootings, and it's it's been really terrifying to be an officer, if you think about it. Um, and so I think for me, personally, I think... Um, you know, I think sometimes I struggle a lot as um, being a wife of a cop. I really struggle with, like, schedule and, like, just how dangerous it, it is. And now having, like, a son, um, you know, just, like, worrying, like, is, is Sam going to come home? Um, but I think just meeting um, the officers in person, like, it just makes it so much more real. Like, when, I don't know, it was totally the spirit when I was praying, but it like as I was praying, I could feel like my heart for these officers, like I said, and and also for Sam, and, and I think that's weird to say. It's like, oh well, duh. It's like he's your husband, but sometimes that's the hardest person to love, and so or, or to see that to see those things. Sometimes it's like, oh well, those officers, but to really personalize them and be like, no, this is this is me too. This is my family, and um, so. I'm I'm really thank I'm really thankful that we got to do that and I I wish we had more time to like talk and get to know them and it was it's was very humbling like most uh, most oftentimes officers like they relate to each other by their last name and so like after hearing Albert's speech uh, um, sermon last week and saying like first names like I could see like when I was like oh what's your name they're like for a second like. What it, like, should I say my first name or my last name? <laughs> but to really personalize them as, like, on a first name basis, I think is, is rare for them, probably. You know, they just relate to each other, like, hey, hey, Yao or Chavez, whatever. So, yeah. That's great.
0: Can we give this group a hand for just the work <laughs> that they've done? And um, Sam, would you, would you mind coming on up and you can bring your, your baby boy up? I just want to pray okay. for you guys. If we could just, just, uh, just, just pray for this family. Um, and, and by extension, just, uh, you know, other law enforcement families, um, and just thanking them for, for, you know, especially Sam and what you do and Janelle and all the, all the prayer and love that you, that you guys give to each other and to other people. We just wanted to pray for you. Um, you can just stand right here so I can pray for both of you. And if you would just extend a hand as a show of support as we pray for both of them. Lord God, thank you so much for this family and what they, what they represent to our communities and what they represent to our church, Lord God. Um, uh, we really do love um, our local law enforcement, Lord God. We know that there's been so much controversy. And, and we know that that law enforcement is made of, of people who are, are not perfect and they, they have struggles and they go through stuff in life just like anybody else does. And yet they are called upon to protect and serve. And they are called upon to, um, when everyone else is running away from the danger, to run toward it, Lord. And so we just thank you, Lord, for everything that... Um, that people like Sam are doing. And um, Lord, I thank you for the support and the love that he gets from his wife. I thank you for his beautiful baby boy. We just continue to pray your protection over them. Lord, not only physical protection for Sam as he goes and does what he does, Lord God, and as his... Um, positions change over years and as he's called upon to, um, to be on patrol at certain times or to work in certain departments, Lord, but just that you would protect them in everything. But Lord, I pray also for spiritual protection for them, Lord God. I know that, that law enforcement couples, families, Lord God, uh, their marriage is really tough for them. Lord, they need your grace and their goodness and your, your, just your assurance in their lives, Lord God. And so I just pray that you would protect them, protect their lives, protect their marriage, protect their relationship, protect their relationship with you, that they would always sense your presence with them, and that they would always know that you are going before them and behind them. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you.
0: I, I love this. You know, when when we're called upon to love our our communities, it it doesn't have to be this detached kind of like, I'll find something and I'll just throw you a bone. It's like, it can be very personal. Um, When you think about people who put their lives on the line, when you think about people who serve uh, your community, when you think about people who do thankless jobs that we don't even really think about until something goes wrong and then we complain. Um, And what are the ways that we can bless those people? I think if it, was, if, it were, if, it were, if it were us in that situation, if we were in that position, we would want somebody to say thank you to us in some way. We would want somebody to appreciate. And so it's so important that we do the very same. Um, what happens when we love where we live? What happens when we love at all? Really, what happens is that people get loved. And that's really what matters. Uh, what happens when God's people, the church, love those around us, and more and more and more, that becomes the culture of the church, then that becomes our identity, and that becomes the way that other people see us, even on the outside of the church. You know, the the, the church in Christianity is not often known just for love. We're often known for for condemnation and and, and resentment and bitterness and judgmental attitudes. What if more and more that just became the culture, is that we are people who know how to show appreciation and we know how to love? What did Jesus tell his disciples? Other will know that you are my disciples because of the way that you love one another, because of the way that you love. That's what we want to be known for. So what's so eternally amazing about uh, what God did, though, is that he was God, right? And so he didn't need to do anything for anyone. He could have just been there and God, been like, I'm God, I don't need to do anything. You just do what I tell you to do. You love me, you serve me. I'm not interested in you, I'm God, so I don't care. But no, what he did was he came and he lived among us Because of love, and because of his love for us, he is interested in us. He cares for us. Imagine that. What a concept, right? Somebody in a position of authority, using that position not just to dominate and control, but to care for, to protect, to build trust. And that is exactly the reason why I invited our next guest, actually, Um, I already uh, I I mentioned that we invited some few a few special guests. So I want to ask Lieutenant uh, Jimenez to come on up, and he is going to share a little bit about what Monterey Park PD does. So please help me welcome him.
2: (laughs) So welcome. Good Good morning, everybody. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so
0: good to have and thank you for making time. I know you're Absolutely. Watch Commander this morning, and you're, you know, you're, you're a busy person. You've got a lot on your plate, but thank you so much for making time to be with oh, us thank today. Thank you for having me. So I know that you know Pastor Albert. I do. Uh, pastor Albert, in case you didn't know, our lead pastor is a chaplain, a first-tier chaplain with the Monterey Park PD, so anytime something happens, it could be... Uh, a shooting, they need translation, they need somebody to, to go tell the family about somebody who's passed away, uh, Pastor Albert will often be the one who's uh, first on the scene there, and he'll yes, help absolutely. them out with that kind of thing. And so um, I know he's, he's built uh, a little bit of a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. Um, he just told me that you very recently were
2: just promoted to lieutenant. Is that, is that true? I was. Uh, <laughs> thank you. It was uh, my swearing in ceremony was actually Thursday this week. And my promotion was effective end of October, I believe. Okay. So, well, yeah. congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah.
0: appreciate it. So thank you, Lieutenant, for joining us. Um, so can you explain to us a little bit about what your, what your role is at, at Monterey Park Police Department
2: Yeah, so I'm the, the your watch commander on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, day shift. Um, and essentially I have seven officers and a sergeant. And that's what the Monterey Park Police Department puts out on a daily basis to... Uh, police the city of monterey park so um i'm in charge of uh the day-to-day operations of the police officers and and everything that goes on in the city and the police department so um yeah i'm I'm, right now i just sit in a desk so (laughs) it's kind of uh it's not fun but it's the job has to be done Uh, yeah i'm sure i'm sure you've paid your dues over the years (laughs) uh i hope so (laughs) i hope so
0: um, I wanted to ask you a little bit. I've, I've, I've been hearing about Monterey Park um, kind of taking this approach, this unique approach to policing, which is called community policing. Um, can you explain to us what, what that means? What does that look like? How has that played out? What have been the responses?
2: Just yeah, absolutely. So the, our mantra for the Monterey Park Police Department is community-based policing. It's, it's a partnership that we build with our community. Um, we can't do our jobs without our community, and we understand that we are here to serve community; It's not the other way around. Um, And we we take that very seriously, and we do that by building uh, partnerships with our community, our youth, um, uh, citizens of Monterey Park. Uh, We have different programs that we offer that gets the community involved with the police department. So you get a better look at what your police department looks like. Um, You get to know the officers that work for you um, and who are there to protect you. Um, and you get to see the inside workings of our police department, we don't close our doors off to you, it's open um, we are here to serve you and that's what our intentions are and we, we, we try to be as transparent as possible and try to allow you into the police department and see what we do on a daily basis So, Have you um,
0: since you've t- taken this approach, have you noticed that a difference in the, the, the way that the officers are functioning? Have you noticed a difference in the way that people respond to you?
2: Yeah, absolutely, so this is it uh, started with our our two chiefs, uh, Chief Dan Cross, which was uh, he retired in early uh, 2002, and then Chief Moy, and then now with Chief Smith. Uh, they've continued that type of uh, community-based policing, and uh, it really has changed the perspective of our community. Uh, we have a better working relationship with our community. Um, uh, it, it's It's helped us in certain situations that we've had, where we may have gotten some negative press over certain incidents that happened, the community community in Monterey Park is the one that stepped up and said, this is an isolated incident, these are isolated officers. If there was an issue with an officer, uh, this isn't what our police department looks like as a whole. So I think all that helps with building these relationships and knowing that this this isn't uh, the... um, this isn't what the Monterey Park Police Department is all about. We're, we're about opening up our doors and building those relationships with our community. So it's definitely helped us in those type of situations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Janelle was mentioning uh, earlier that there's been so much tension, uh, you know, surrounding communities and police, and uh, not maybe in every single city, but in, in a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure that you felt that. How, how have you... How has the how Monterey Park Police kind of felt that, and how have you, how have you dealt with that?
2: Yeah, we, we definitely have... Um, and it, it, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, it's unfortunate that um, nationally certain situations have happened, things have happened. And, and I'm the first to, to, to say that um, there have been some situations where officers have overstepped their boundaries and have violated some people's rights and have acted unlawfully. I'm not going to sit up here and, and lie and justify what they did. Um, but uh, I believe that... Um, Myself and Sam, we take the brunt of what other people do. Uh, We come to work, and and I say, with my experience with the Monroe Park Police Department, I could say that you have the finest police department uh, that any community could have. I'm sure Sam probably disagrees with me. but (laughs) um, And and the reason I say that is because um, we... It's funny how most of the time when we get people talking down to us, or calling us whatever names they're calling us, it's usually not our community members. It's usually people that are coming into the city to commit a crime, and they are, they're stopped or they're arrested. Those are the people that really try to put you down and really try to um, kind of get you off of what you're really here to do. Um, but the community as a whole has been very, very supportive. I Honestly, I can't think of, of an incident where an actual member of the Monterey Park uh, City ha- has has raised an issue or has um, made, it, uh, you know, was angry or made, posted something on our Twitter account or or posted something on social media. It's usually people who are uh, transient in our city. They're here just passing or they're here to do unlawful things or, you know, things that, aren't, that are illegal. Those are usually the ones that aren't really too pleased with us and are making those type of allegations. But I think, again, it goes back to, the work that we've done to build that relationship with our community. We have our community support, and, uh, you know, it it helps us in the long run.
0: Well, most – I think a lot of people here in this congregation live in Monterey Park. How many – Raise your hand if you live in Monterey Park, by the way, Monterey Park. Uh, A lot of us live in cities surrounding Monterey Mm -hmm. Park, East L.A., Rosemead, maybe Temple City Arcadia, St. Gabriel, Alhambra, uh, Montebello, like we said. Um, You know, as a church congregation – uh, now that you have a, a captive audience here, um, people, a lot of people who live in this neighborhood or surrounding neighborhoods, um, what, what would you say to somebody who, who, if they were to ask you, what can I do to make my community a better place, what can I do to make my city a better place, what, what would you have to say to them?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, let me just start off by telling you, I, I personally have a vested interest in, in this city. I was born and raised in Monterey Park. Uh, my parents bought their home here. Um, my dad still lives in the city. Uh, I attended Bella Vista, Macy. I graduated from Shure High School. Um, so I delivered the Monterey Park Progress at one point. Who still remembers the Progress, the paper we used to have? Yeah, I delivered that paper when I was when I was younger. So, I, you know, this is my community. This is where I chose to come and to work. Um, I used to work for the Sheriff's Department. I was there for four years, and then I, I came to Monterey Park for that reason. Was because I wanted to give back to my city, the city that helped me, that made me who I am. Um, I participated in all of the. Sports activities, Monarch Park Sports Club. Um, I, I was at Barnes Park every weekend. So this this is my community, and, and I wanted to give back, and that's the reason why I came here. And I think it's what we have to do is to get involved in your community. That's the best way you can help out is find out what I can do to help out, what I can do to know my neighbor, find out what I can do to know my police department, my fire department. Um, and, and we have, we have uh, several... Um, uh, programs in Monterey Park. For the youth, we have our explorer program. So from 14 to age 20 and a half, you can become a police explorer. And we say 20 and a half because that's the age where they can become police officers. So at that point, they can no longer be explorers. Um, we have our citizens uh, uh, on patrol, which is uh, for our not so much our retired residents, but people who have more time on their hands that can come and volunteer as, as citizens patrol Uh, They drive around the city and and call in different uh, quality of life issues that they may see. Uh, We have our Neighborhood Watch Program. We have our Business Watch Program. Um, We have uh, our uh, Citizens Academy. So those are programs. The Citizens Academy is unique where we actually have, it's a program where you can come to the police department, and we have, it's a how many-week program? 13-week program. And you actually, every bureau of the police department comes in and talks to you about what we do, Um, and why we do what we do. And then at one point you have an opportunity to do a tour of the police department, the jail, you go through our investigations bureau, Um, at one point you go down to the shooting range. So it's our way of opening the doors up for the community to come and see what what we do on a daily basis. And and I think to answer your question is is just to get involved. Get involved and find out what you can do. It could be something as simple as, um, I'm sorry, I didn't catch Sam's wife's name, Janelle. Janelle. Something as simple as that. Going and just saying, hey, thanks for what you do. Um, it really does mean a lot. Um, I-, I can tell you uh, from experience, uh, it- it- it's just it's those little things that sometimes it's all we need to kind of get us through um, those tough times. Just to hear people say, hey, we appreciate you, and we appreciate what you do. And um, sometimes you figure, ah, it's, you know, I'm not going to go up and tell them, hey, thanks for what you do, or we appreciate you. But it really does. It really, really does help. Um, it's those little things that make it um, it makes it worthwhile, so yeah, just just get involved.
0: yeah, thank you well we we really do appreciate um, what you do and how you serve our city and we appreciate your honesty about just what you know the police officers and everything that's been happening um, as a church, once again, we would love to be able to pray for you absolutely so if, if, uh, if you wouldn't mind if you wouldn't mind just extending a hand of support as we pray for uh, lieutenant Jimenez and, and uh, Gus, thank Lieutenant you. Gus or just Gus <laughs> okay <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to pray for Gus. Um, Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you so much for um, the people that you have allowed to be in positions of authority, and especially those who are open and transparent and down-to-earth and understanding and willing to come out to, uh, to a church on a Sunday morning in the middle of their shift um, just to let everyone see who they are and let them know that... Um, that he genuinely does care. So I thank you for Gus. I thank you for all of the work and the time that he has put in as a police officer and all the different places that he's served. And now that he's back serving in the city where he's grown up, the city that helped him become who he is, Lord God, thank you that he's here. Thank you for those who live in Monterey Park, that they have someone like Gus that they can count on um, to really uh, serve and protect this community. Lord, and we ask for your protection over him. Um, Lord, uh, sitting behind a desk may not seem as, uh, as dangerous um, but God, um, as a police officer, as he said, he still takes the brunt of a lot of criticism um, and negativity that is directed toward law enforcement. Um, Lord, I, I pray that he would continue to shine as an example of somebody who stands for what is right and good, who truly cares for the people that he serves, that he really does see himself as a servant of the people. And I thank you for that attitude that he has, Lord God. And What a, what a refreshing example, Lord God, he is. And what a humble heart that he has. And I just pray that you continue to protect him, protect his family, Lord God. And we just ask that on behalf of uh, the Monterey Park Police Department that you would protect them and, and keep them um, in the right place and help them to have the right attitudes and help them to know um, that there are people who appreciate them in this community. And I pray that you would help them in those tense situations, Lord God, that you would help them to have clear minds and, and be able to, to focus and function the way that they need to, Lord God. And, and I just pray for protection on their life. And for Gus, as he leads them, that he would know how to instill in them a sense of of positivity and strength and affirmation, and at the same time hold them accountable to what they need to do as uh, as officers of the law. And so we just thank you so much for all that Gus does and all that he represents, and thank you that he's willing to be here this morning, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. 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 Thank you so much. Uh,
2: Thank you very much. If there's anything I could ever do for anybody, uh, Johnny has my email address. Um, I'll give him my phone number. Uh, if you live in Monterey Park, you don't live in Monterey Park, I'm always available. Uh, I work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 6 to 6. Uh, uh, come in at 6 in the morning. <laughs> We'd love to see you at 6 in the morning. Maybe, no, but, but seriously. Maybe some coffee or something? Uh, yeah. We, and we eat bagels, not donuts. Um, bagels. <laughs> Just to set the record straight, right? <laughs> bagels. Bagels. I'm not going to lie. I Got still it. like my donuts. But anyways. Um, if there's, if there's seriously, if there's anything I could ever do for anybody, my door is always open. He has my email address, my phone number. Don't hesitate. Call me, email me if you have a question about something. Something happened in your neighborhood, and you have a question. I'll help you the best that I can. Um, don't hesitate. Please, all right? Please, 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 please. Email me, call me, whatever you guys need. And please send Thank my you. information out to everybody. I will.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's hear it again for <clears throat> Lieutenant Gus. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yes, question. Because how many bagels you bring? <laughs> if you're going to bring them at 6 a.m., who's on that shift? How many people on that shift? We
2: have,
0: uh, <laughs> how many bagels? Seven, uh, my sergeant, and then we have seven officers, our jailers, nine, ten, two
2: dispatchers, 12, uh, two clerk, 14. Uh,
0: two <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just say two dozens in case anybody wants <laughs> another one. <at> <laughs> second, helping. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, no problem. I thank you. Uh, just, just so you know, uh, Gus turned to, to Fred right here and asked him a question. Uh, Fred, you've done a lot with Monterey Park Police Department. Fred's hosted Neighborhood Watch meetings at his house. And you've just recently joined the, uh, the uh, Citizens Academy. Is that correct? So you're part of that? How many weeks in are you? It's the second week. So great. Yeah, so if you want anything, know anything about Citizens Academy or what it's like to be involved uh, as a citizen, as a member, as a you know, citizen of the city... Uh, Then you can go ahead and talk to Fred. Um, You know, we are all, during this time, being challenged, including myself, uh, to love where we live. And, And we chose that word very intentionally, love where you live, because that's the greatest commandment that we've ever been given. Today, specifically, we're being challenged to find out who are those people in our city who do the work of governing and maintaining and serving, and in some cases, protecting. But we sometimes find it hard, don't we? Because we find it hard to love where we live because we don't always like where we live. Or maybe we don't always like the people where we live, which leads me to ask, is it possible to love even when we don't like? Is it? Has anyone ever faced that challenge? God, how do I pray for? How do I bless? How do I not wish ill towards someone that I sincerely don't like? And when I ask that question sincerely from my heart, Lord, please, I want to love, but I'm really finding it hard. I keep hearing the same answer again and again from God, saying, I didn't command you to like, I commanded you to love. Why? Because this is who God is. The Bible doesn't say, for God so liked the world that he sent his only begotten son. It says, for God so loved the world. I mean, do you really think that God likes the way that people treat each other sometimes? You think God likes war and violence? You think God likes the fact that Two of the biggest illegal, illicit businesses in the world are drugs and human trafficking, both of which destroy lives. Of course, God doesn't like these things, but he loves the people who inhabit this messed up world. You and me and Kim Jong-un and Pablo Escobar and everybody, the name of the list goes on, right? I'm not saying that you and I are the same as Pablo Escobar. I'm saying we're all part of the mess. All right? We are all part of it. And likewise, God doesn't command me to like. He commands me to love. Even my enemies. Even those who are hard to love. Because that's what he's done. And love is not weak. Love is surprising. People are not expecting it. Especially when they know they're not good neighbors. Or when they know that they represent something unpopular. They don't expect to get love. Love. I want to share a story with you of my friend, Brandon. Brandon, are you here? Is Brandon Delgadillo here? No, he's not in here? Okay, well, I'm going to tell his story. He gave me permission to do this, so I'm going to share his story about his neighbor. Um, I think many of us can relate to having bad neighbors. How many of you have or have ever had bad neighbors? Just people that are hard, like, they, you know, whatever, You bad neighbors, okay? And Brandon has bad neighbors that he definitely has some bad history with. Um. Like, I mean, there there are certain things, like the smell of pot kind of wafting over the fence from the neighbor's yard, right? And I know it's legal now, so, you know. But it still smells terrible, right? Legal or not. Um, Or the beer cans and cigarettes they would throw over the fence, which caused Brandon to have to make a a taller fence, right? (laughs) But it was was this recent rainstorm that we just had um, that kind of brought him together with his neighbor in a way that hadn't happened before. Uh, once, w- once during one of the downpours, his neighbor came to his door and he said, the water is running off from your yard and it's coming into my yard and it's flooding our garage. Um, and he said, do something about it. Help me. I don't know what can you do. And so Brandon had a decision to make with his neighbor that he hadn't gotten along with in the past. <laughs> I want you to think for a moment about those people in your life that you're just... Like, <laughs> Could be a family member, could, it could be a coworker, a neighbor, right? Always getting on your nerves, you can't stand them. And if you have these people, I want, I want you to imagine one day that this person comes to you and says, "I need your help. I need you to do something for me. You have a decision to make, don't you? What are you going to do?" you're going to say, "Hey, remember all those uh, beer cans you threw over my fence?" <laughs> Good luck. Slam the door, right Now Brandon's a good guy, and and even more than that, Brandon loves Jesus. Uh, So Brandon threw on a jacket and ran over to his neighbor's house, and he helped him get the water out of his garage, and he helped him redirect the water that was flowing in there. And and the funny thing is that when he saw these neighbors and their kids that had been so rude to them in the past, very disrespectful, um, they weren't rude or inconsiderate like they had been in the past. They were polite, and they were helpful, and they they were grateful because... Brandon was helping them. This wasn't the time to be rude, is it? And what I love is even more than just this simple act of being kind to somebody that had not been kind to him. What I love is that Brandon, I was talking to him the other day, and he was like, you know, I'm actually thinking about how I can kind of continue that relationship. I feel like that rainstorm incident was kind of like a a restart, hitting the reset button. And he said, I'm actually thinking about maybe taking donuts over to their house later this week. Love that. I love it. Yeah, let's, I mean, let's hear it. Brandon's not here to hear the clap, but Sheila, you can tell him later that we clap for him. I love that, right? Let's hit the reset button on this relationship. Even though it was their fault, <laughs> Brandon is willing to hit the reset button and say, you know what? I'm willing to help you. I'm willing to return kindness for unkindness. And hey, let's, let's start over. I love that. You know, sometimes we are called to love the important people in our neighborhood, like our city council or like our law enforcement. And I think what we see in the case of Brandon is that sometimes you become the important person in your neighborhood. You become the person who has the opportunity to serve or protect or to love or to step down off of your soapbox for a minute and just say, okay, you know what? I know we have some history, but I'm just going to serve you right now. We have those opportunities sometimes, and I want to encourage you, don't shy away from that. Um, Our last guest that I'm going to invite up just to share with us a bit is Matt Swida. He comes from all the way down from Irvine. Now, I know that might seem like way out of nowhere, but I know some of you here come from like all the way down in Westminster, um, which is kind of that down that direction anyway. And some of you come from distances away. So. But Matt has been working with us over the last uh, uh, year to kind of spark our ideas and our thinking of how we can get into our cities. And he's been helping to kind of give us some training. Um, Matt works with an organization called uh, Fiducia. And, and so I wanted to invite um, Matt up to uh, come and speak to us just a little bit about um, what, what you've been doing and kind of some of the things you've been thinking about. Yeah, you can go ahead and grab that. Uh, microphone. How you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks for good joining to us you. today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for coming all the way up from Irvine to share yeah. with us. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I love you guys. <laughs> so the reason specifically that I asked you to come was because you have been doing a lot of what it is that we've been talking about. I see I'm friends with Matt on Facebook, and so I'll see from time to time that you'll post pictures I'm meeting with this person today, this police, you know, department. I'm meeting mm-hmm. with this uh, city council, whatever. Like, you're 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 out there, yeah. And you're meeting with people. And so I want you. Yeah. To, I wanted you to talk a little bit about why you're doing that and where that comes from and what what yeah. that's been doing for for you in your city. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh,
3: love where you live. Such a cool theme. I'm so excited for you guys. I love how your your leaders are taking you through this because this just really grabs my heart. Um, what does that mean? Love where you live. Is anybody, is anybody familiar with Jeremiah twenty nine seven? Work for the peace and prosperity of your city. Work for the peace and prosperity of your city. So, as Pastor Johnny said, I'm a resident of Irvine, and and that's kind of like our our theme too for my not only for my neighborhood. As you guys know, i I'm, I'm like the neighborhood guru, but. Uh, it's, it's really even more than that. Like, how can I work for the peace and prosperity of my uh, local city and my, uh, where I live? And uh, I think it was about six months ago when a lot of the tensions that Janelle brought up just were beginning to – we were beginning to see, and it was just right in the middle of it. And – the response from my local community churches was really beautiful. We kind of like huddled and go, hey, guys, this is not okay, what we're seeing across the nation, and it's, it's really creating this tension and this, this dissension between the community and the police department. So what do we do? What do we, what do we need to do as the local church? And so I, I just have the privilege to be in um, and connected with a lot of different churches and pastors, and we said, well, why don't we kind of throw an event, and let's call it Tied Together, and let's invite the mayor, let's invite the chief, let's invite like, some of the local leaders, the city council, let's invite everyone, all the local pastors, and go, hey, despite what's going on across the nation, we want you to know that we're for you. We want you to know that we're with you, and let's do that, and we're going to call it Tied Together. And so we put on this kind of ceremony ceremony, And we called it Tied Together. And we said, we want to bless you. We want to be with you. Um, The mayor spoke that day. The the police uh, chief spoke that day. I hadn't met him before. And uh, I had the opportunity to speak. And and Orange County Register was there. And they covered it. But we just talked about how can we be tied together as a community in case that something were to happen here locally. We wanted to be a proactive, take a proactive approach. So as we're leaving that day, I, I pulled the chief aside. And I said, hey, chief my name is Matt. I go, I know we haven't met, but I just want to know, how can we serve you? How can we serve you? And he goes, well, he goes, what we're really trying to accomplish is this new form of neighborhood watch. And we want to use this, this app called next door. And he goes, have you heard of it? I'm like, I'm your neighborhood guy. Yeah, I've heard of it. Come on. I go, I'm your guy. Let's let's get together and talk about it. And so uh, it was about two months later, him and I just grabbed lunch and we just began talking. And so do you want me to keep going? Okay. All right. So we grabbed lunch and I'm I'm holding this book. Have you you guys recognized this book? The Art of Neighboring? Okay, So the idea behind this book was uh, a bunch of pastors did the same thing in in Denver, and the author, Dave Runyon, is a friend of mine. And what happened was they met with the mayor, and they said, how can we serve you? And the mayor said, well, if you guys just become good neighbors, it would actually eliminate a lot of the problems that we're seeing across the city. And so before I had lunch with the chief, I actually called Dave. I go, hey, I'm meeting with the chief. What are some things that you would ask him? He goes, it's so funny. I'm, I'm leaving a meeting with my chief right now too, Matt. And I'll go, oh, well, that's coincidental, right? That's, that's how God works. And he goes, he's really going to be interested in the safety of his city. But what he needs to understand is, is how neighboring will dramatically impact that. And so ask him how you can serve him, but just bring that to his attention. I said, okay, good advice. And so while we're at lunch, he goes, I'm, I really want to talk about this whole neighborhood watch thing and, and talk to you about next door and how we're going to use that. And I go, That's, that sounds great. But let's dream for a second, Chief. What does the future look like for Irvine? What do you dream it looking like? Well, he goes, I just really want to see this neighborhood or this, this city. I mean, we're growing fast and it's, it's very multicultural. He goes, it's changing. I, I want it to see it continue to be one of the safest cities in America. And he goes, I just have a a heart for the city and and for the community here. I go, I do too. What if we as the local church could help you with that? And uh, he's like, well, that's why we're here. I'm like, well, take this book, read it, let me know what you think. And I go, let me know if this is something, if we could help collaborate with the churches and just become better neighbors and be intentional in our in our city. Like, do you think that would be a benefit? And so, um, that's kind of where we left it. And he was like, "Okay, let's keep the conversation going." Well, this past Thursday, uh, I, I invited him to come out and speak, and I said, "I'm going to put as many pastors in the same room as possible, from church starts to." mega church pastors were in the same room together and we were just kind of coming in the room and, and we wanted to hear from the chief well he walks in and he brings this book with him and he goes you guys I thought I was coming here to tell you about how we needed to just think through safety together but he goes I read through this book in the two months two months ago whenever Matt gave it to me and he goes it's so much more big than I ever thought. He goes, if we can get the local churches and just people getting to know one another and their neighbors, it could change everything. He was completely convinced. And he goes, I mean, he looks at me and like points me on. I didn't know any of this was coming. He was just like, thank you. Thank you. For showing me this because we do need to be proactive in our communities so
0: yeah so what i mean what what are the responses that you've seen from churches i I know this is not something that every church thinks about or every church does i mean we're doing this whole love where you live thing because we don't do this automatically right we don't we just kind of come here and we do our thing here and a lot of times we just go home or go back to our cities or whatever and we don't really kind of think this some of us might do it naturally but not everybody does so, how, how has the response been to people that you're working with, churches? Yeah. What have, what have you seen? Well, I can tell you this from that meeting alone, all, the,
3: all of the pastors, even some of the largest churches in the city, pulled me aside and go, What are we going to do? How are we going to think through this together? And, and so, we're kind of right at the beginning stages of this. And, and I was talking to Dave Runyon, the author. And I was like, what has been the change in Arvada, Colorado? Has there been a a big change? Like, has there been actual results from churches going together? We we just want to love our neighbors. And they've been doing it for about eight years now. I'm like, tell me the tangible results. Can you see anything? And he goes, you know those calls that people make to the city whenever you see, like, across the street, your neighbor's fence is down. And you're like, I wish that guy would just fix his fence. He goes, you know those calls? He goes, we've been tracking those. And over the the course of six years, they've gone down 75% because instead of people picking up the phone and going, my neighbor's fence is down, I'm pretty frustrated, what they're doing is going, I'm going to walk across the street and see if I can help. (laughs) And so... That's, that's the dream. Like, that's the dream of where we're, we're taking this whole idea of the art of neighboring is, is yeah. to really – we're blessed to be a blessing. You love where you live. So it doesn't – it's not just your neighborhood. It is that, but it's to the city. It's to the mayor. It's, it's wherever you can be a blessing. Yeah. So, Amen. Amen.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for coming and sharing that. And uh, Matt's going to be here in case you have any questions yeah. for him as well. Uh, and we're, we'll continue to, uh, to press forward. Yeah. Yeah, Please. <laughs> yeah, that great. So now it's a, the gift keeps going around. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love that, man. I mean, it's like, what if, what if we could do that in Monterey Park or your city? Like, what if you could reduce the number of phone calls that the city gets about neighbors complaining about neighbors? Um, and I, one thing I thought of—this <laughs> is one of the first things I thought of—is some of us are going to say, "I don't have time for that." I know. That's why we we're never expected to do this alone. We are the church, and the church is not just one person. The church is not just the pastors. The church is not just the board. The church is everybody. So that is why we are encouraging everybody, get in a group, see how we can bless our cities. Let's do this together, and we will start to see the difference as this becomes part of our culture. So here's a, f- a couple things as we close, just some action steps, all right? Um, first, ask the Lord. Um, or sit and think, pray, whatever, who it is in your city that you need to get to know, and then do something about it, okay? Write a note, make a phone call, send an email, write a letter, knock on a door, leave a message, okay? And when you do it, I'm saying not if, but when, hoping that we'll all do this, okay? When you do this, uh, let your community group know that you did it just for accountability purposes. We can all say, okay, who, who contacted their so-and-so? And it's like, okay, yeah, I did, I, I sent them an email. It can even be just be something simple like saying thank you, right? It doesn't have to be a big, big deal or complaining, right? But find out who it is in your city that, that you should know and that you should get in contact with, you should start some kind of relationship with, and then just do it. And do it this week, okay, don't wait. Um, more specifically, here's some things that you can do. Um, city council meetings, I don't know if you've ever been to a city council meeting. But there aren't many people at city council meetings. You know why? Because not many people like to go to city council meetings. They're not fun unless there's some like big controversy that people like everybody's going to show up en mass. They're like yeah, ah, ah. they're not like a whole lot of fun. But it, but if there's something in your city that you would like to speak out about, or if you, you can get a, a few people together, go together to the city council meeting. Uh, even if you just stay until the, the point you know where they talk about the thing that you want to do, but. But just go to one just to see how your city functions. Um, as Albert has said, if you show up to a city council meeting with like 10 people, the city council will take notice because they care when a bunch of people show up together and they're like, whoa, what's happening? you know, There's some kind of up- uprising happening here in the city or something like that. We want to <laughs> we we know these people and get on their good side. Yeah, I mean, seriously, they, they, they will want to know you. Um, some examples that I thought of actually, um, some cities have... Actually gone to, to their city councils and they've spoken up for like, hey, when are we gonna when are we gonna finish that affordable housing unit there? You know, people want to come live in this city, um, but they can't afford to live in this city. And so, they're supposedly they were gonna be this affordable housing units built. What happened to that? Um, in Alhambra, um, we we have this this organization that we work with called Family Promise, right? Um, Alhambra City Council has actually said we don't want Family Promise here in our city. Um, and so, people have actually showed up to the Alhambra City Councils and said, and like en masse, like I said, like in groups, and said. We want family promise in our city, and you don't understand what it is. You're saying no to it because you don't really know what it is, but can we please just tell you what it is? And, I mean, they still shot it down, but they, they showed up, right? I mean, they showed up to at least say, this is something we care about, right? Those are the kinds of things I'm talking about. Not just like, hey, can we have more, you know, vending machines at the, I mean, it's like, who cares about that, right? Um, also, working to build bridges, being a peacemaker. That story that I shared about Brandon, those are the little and like kind of this neighborhood things that you can do, right? Um, in Monterey Park, we have a, a huge, right, a demographic Chinese families, immigrant families, and then we have a huge demographic of people who are not. And so there's like a there's a huge divide in our city. I mean, there's like a language barrier, there's like business barrier, right? And just like those two communities just don't communicate. They don't sometimes even get along. So be a bridge builder, be a peacemaker in your community. For when you see two divergent parties in your community, maybe start to talk to other neighbors and say, "How can we bring these two communities together?" Right? Maybe maybe with my non-Chinese neighbors, we're going to throw a Chinese New Year party, right? To introduce them to this culture so it doesn't seem so strange and foreign. I don't know. You know your neighborhoods. And if you don't, I'm encouraging you get to know them. And like I said, I'm encouraging you, please find out which Group that you would be a part of in your neighborhood, and get involved in that group, and see how you can see how you can begin to participate. Loving where you live, it can start very simple, and it doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to take a lot of time or money. Start simple, but I'm encouraging you do something this week to uh, to make your communities uh, a better place. Um, before I pray, I uh, want to invite Desiree up. Um, and Desiree uh, has a couple of uh, things that she's going to share with us. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of explain the first one. Um, <clears throat> as many of you know, we have uh, a second campus over in Roland Heights. And um, that campus needs a lot of TLC and just kind of building up. Um, Desiree has done a lot of work to build up our children's ministry here. And as a children's pastor, I think we can all, especially those of us who have kids really appreciate all of the work that Desiree has done, and I just want to show her that appreciation for everything that she has done. We love Desiree. Desiree has, has built, has put together an awesome children's ministry team. Cindy, I see you sitting right there. Where, where are other children's ministry workers? If you're on shift this month or not, where are our children? Come on, just stand up. Stand up. Stand up, team. Come on, stand up. Thank you. Thank you for all of the work that you have done. Now, we have this here, but at Roland Heights, they are still really in the beginning stages of building. And it's been really hard for Desiree, while she's building here, to help to build over there. And so Desiree is being sent for 10 weeks. Starting next, starting next week, right, starting next Sunday, Desiree is going to be sent to that campus to just focus on that campus, give some TLC there. Um, and spend some time helping to build up the team that's there. Notice I said she's being sent temporarily. She's not leaving us forever, okay? But she is being sent for a good, good amount of time to be able to spend time building up that campus there. So, yes, you won't see her on this campus here for a, few, for a while. Um, she, she will still be here during the week, and she's still, you know, going to be where she's at. And if you know where, how to contact her, she'll still be, you know, I'm sure she'd love to hear from you and say, hey, we miss you and we love you, that kind of thing. <clears throat> um, but Desiree, thank you for everything that you have done here on this campus, and I look forward to seeing you work your magic there on that campus, and I know that they're, they're really going to appreciate it as well. Um, now, we are going to enjoy having Desiree around as much as we can have her, um, especially over the next few months. Uh, Desiree, you want to tell us something that's happening a few months down the line?
4: Um, I'm going to the other campus for 10 weeks, and it's very bittersweet because this is my home, and I want to be here, but I know that God has big plans for the Roland Heights campus, but before I leave, I don't want to come back in 10 weeks, and you see me, and you're like, what happened? Because in 10 weeks, I will be much bigger, uh, because we're expecting. (laughs) So we were we just keep to... growing this church, don't we? yeah, you know everybody has to do their part, <laughs> especially you know, especially the young ones. Come on, we can do it, fill up the church with babies um, but i'm I'm excited to go i'm nervous to go. I pray that the team here um, I, I know that God has blessed them with with amazing capabilities and an amazing heart for kids, and so while I'm over there, I'm trusting my team here to carry on and make each child feel welcome and loved. And um, if you see any straggling kids, you know you gotta send them in. Okay, <laughs> everybody has to help out and do the part. So um, I will see you all in ten weeks.
0: Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna pray for Desiree. I love this, too, because this, this ties exactly in with what we're talking about, loving where you live. If you didn't know, Desiree actually lives out that direction. <laughs> she lives closer to that campus than she does to this campus. And so really, by being sent to that campus to build up the Campus Children's Ministry, she really is, in a way, loving where she lives in that campus on that, uh, at that, uh, on that site. And so thank you, Desiree, for, for being willing to do that. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens. So once again, would you extend a hand of support? And just, let's just pray for Desiree. Lord, thank you so much for Desiree and Philip and Noah and Cooper, Lord God, and their family being part of this church family, Lord God. Thank you for all of the hard work that Desiree has done to build up the children's ministry, to love every single kid that comes through here, Lord God. Thank you for all the ways that Philip has jumped in to support Desiree and all the work that she does. Lord, And what a a team that they've been, and we just love this family so much. God, and so we're going to miss seeing their family around for the next 10 weeks, but we also know, God, that they are going to be doing something good. And so even though we don't see them, it's not going to be out of sight, out of mind. We are going to continue to pray for them. We're going to continue supporting them any way that we can, checking in with them, seeing how things are going. And we are thankful, God, that Desiree and Phil have an opportunity to love where they live in this way, in this unique way. God, bless the work that they do. Bless the work that Desiree does, Lord God. I pray that there would be a great response from the team over there, that she would be able to build in the same way that she has done here over there, that they would be stronger for having had her there for this focused time. And we just pray your blessing and protection and just really a prospering of everything that she puts her hand to, Lord God. Lord, in the times when she's not sure what to do or how this is gonna work out, um, whether there or here on this campus, God, we trust that you are the head of this church and that you are gonna make these things happen. So we thank you so much, God, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> all right, let's, um, let's just uh, stand, and we're going to pray. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up. We're just going to sing one more song as we close. Um, God, thank you so much for teaching us. Thank you so much for calling us to something bigger and higher than ourselves. Thank you so much for all the ways that you push us out of our comfortable places, and you say, I have something bigger for you than you can even imagine. But in order to see that, you're going to have to step out of where you're comfortable. You're going to have to step out of what's familiar. You're going to have to step out of what, what you're used to, and, and then you're going to see. Because Jesus, uh, I know many of us, I know most of us, maybe even all of us, we want to know you more. We want to be closer to Jesus. We want to be more like you, but we don't often realize that to spend time with you means to be where you are, and where you are is not just in our little safe places. Yes, you are here, Jesus, but you're also out there in our communities, in our cities, So we're going to follow you there, Lord, and we are going to love uh, the places and the people um, where we live. We thank you, God, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.